1: This high
2: priest of ours, Jesus, he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, notice the last words, yet he did not sin. There's a lot of people today that say they believe that Jesus sinned. I want to share this truth with you. If you believe Jesus sinned, you will never become a real believer. Because if you believe Jesus' in, there is no solution to your sin.
0: We must believe every truth in the Bible, especially as it relates to our Savior, Jesus. The world is constantly trying to adjust or dumb down the Word of God, so be strong in your faith. Today, Pastor Mark will teach on Jesus, the spotless lamb that came to take away the sins of the world. He is the only one to live a sinless life as a human. Why wouldn't you put your trust in him? His purpose for living was purely centered around pleasing God the Father and delivering you. From birth, Jesus never failed to be about his Father's business. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Delivered to be the Deliverer.
1: Lord, let us hear your so
2: Jesus would enter this world, he would enter this world sinless. Only person ever to do that. It'd be a great start. Jesus had to be born without sin, Third, take a look on that over it again. To be divine, Jesus had to have God as his father. So we have all of these three things that are there. Jesus would have to be a perfect man. He must be sinless. He must be innocent. And so when we see Jesus, he was, if you looked at Jesus, he was natural and he was supernatural. He was fully God and fully man. Try to understand that. Impossible. Impossible. But that's why it was always God's plan, and God was unique. So to be human, Jesus had to be born of a woman. To be sinless, Jesus had to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. To be divine, Jesus had to have God as his father. Now, look at verse 19. You're right there. What is Joseph going to do when Mary says, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. If he doesn't do this, she would be stoned in those days for having a child out of wedlock. Verse 20. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. There's the supernatural again. And said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her, look at me, no matter what the community says, no matter what everybody else says, they're wrong. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, we have a lot of people that say, well, that's not, that couldn't happen because I can't believe it. Because I can't believe it? Well, it didn't happen. So there is no virgin birth. They're wrong, and God is right. It was supernatural. Notice verse 21. There's amazing miracles in verse 21. To Joseph, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Look at the miracles in that dream that Joseph had. Number one, the angel revealed the unborn child's sex without an ultrasound, he'll be a son. Somebody recently, one of our gals here in church is praying. She come here's my here's my ultrasound on her little iPhone and show me the baby, whatever. There was no ultrasound. You didn't take sticks and put over the baby. Boy, girl. No, the Holy Spirit said he's going to be a son. Second notice, another miracle. Here's your name. Here's the name. Here's the name you want to give him. They didn't have to get the book out. A thousand Jewish names. What do I call the kid? <laughs> What's he look? What do you think he's going to look like? No, no, Jesus. What does Jesus mean? Watch me this. This is so exciting. Because see, a name in those days meant something. Jesus means Jehovah, or God is salvation, or God is the Savior. By the very name of God, by the very name of Jesus, we knew what his mission was, what his purpose was. So the the angel just really states the purpose of Jesus' mission. He would save, He would rescue His people from their sins. Amazing. In that one verse, it's a boy, it's going to be God, He's conceived by the Holy Spirit. His purpose and mission on earth, to save His people, the Jewish people, eventually spread to the Gentiles, of their sins. Why? Because sin Always separates holy God from sinful man. Turn with me to Luke chapter two, if you will. Let's follow the little story. That's the assignment you've had to read Luke chapter two in in time with your family. Luke chapter two, verse four. Verse four. See, as Jesus would come to this earth, he would save us from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. And as we've been studying the last three works, from the very presence of sin in heaven. Now look at verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. Look at me, let me explain another miracle to you. I love the way God directs our lives. The Roman government decided they'd get some more taxes. So, the Roman government said to Herod in Jerusalem, You sat down an edict. Everybody must come to their own hometown where they were born, and we're going to tax them. He, so, so the, the pagan God, the ruler, was saying, I, I'm going to get some more taxes. God says, Watch me use this perfectly. Who put that idea in his mind? God did. So, here's how do you get Joseph and Mary? A hundred miles north, around the Galilee, how do you get them to go to their town of, hometown of Bethlehem? Because see, Bethlehem was predicted to be where the Savior would be born. Well, who in their right mind would take an eight-month and a nine-month pregnant woman on a hundred-mile journey by camel or whatever down to the little funky town of Bethlehem? Nobody would. But God used the government to say, you must go. So Joseph had to obey, so they leave way up in Galilee, and they go to a little town called Bethlehem, five miles south. We always go when we go to Israel and overlook it. We stand on the mountain and overlook it like where the shepherds are. It's amazing. Five miles south of Jerusalem. So here's Joseph. We'll look at verse 5. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now look at look at the timing of God. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first son, firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, probably a stone feeding trough, because there was no room for them in the inn. Let me read to you from Max Lucado. Sometimes when we read that, can you imagine what Mary and Joseph, who knew this was the Savior. What'd it be like to have the Savior? Joseph was here, and this baby came out and amazing. I mean, here's a baby, and he, watch this. Stepping from the throne, Jesus removed his robe of light. And Jesus wrapped himself in skin, pigmented human skin. And the light of the universe, that day entered a dark, wet womb. He whom angels worship nestled himself in the placenta of a peasant who was birthed into the cold night and on that night slept on cow's hay. Now Mary didn't know whether to give him milk or give him praise. But she gave him both, since he was as near as she could figure, hungry and holy. And Joseph didn't know whether to call him junior or father. But in the end, he called him Jesus, since that's what the angel had said. And since he didn't have the faintest idea what to name a God who he can cradle in his arms. Look at verse 39. You're there. When Joseph and Mary had done everything, we kind of skip ahead a while. Jesus goes. He's, he's dedicated in the temple. They go to live. The wise men come another year and a half later, something like that. God comes, and they're going to kill all the babies. And God comes in another dream to Joseph, and they have to go down to Egypt for a while to escape that. So Satan's plan isn't work, And then they end up here. They go right up here into Nazareth, where Jesus is going to grow up. Notice. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, northern Israel, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew, became strong. Notice, he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Max Lucado continues, Don't you think their heads tilted and their minds wondered, What in the world are you doing, God, as they're raising Jesus? Or better yet... God, what are you doing in the world? How would would God get his love to you and to me? Listen to this. Can anything make me stop loving you, God asks? Speaking of the baby Jesus now, this young toddler that's growing, watch me speak your language, watch me sleep on your earth, and watch me feel... Your hurts. You see, Jesus became a man, so he can relate to you, and he can relate to me. He knows exactly what you're going through this morning, exactly, because he was fully man and fully God. He goes on, behold the maker of sight and sound, as he sneezes, as he coughs, as he blows his nose. You wonder if I understand how you feel? Look into the dancing eyes of the kid in Nazareth. That's God walking to school. Ponder the toddler at Mary's table. That's God spilling his milk. Can you imagine what Joseph and Mary are trying to go through? What in the world is this? As a child, we see in verse 39 and 40, Jesus experienced physical and spiritual growth. Then we notice that at the age of 12, he visits the temple. During the Passover, all the families went, and Jesus is there. And the families leave. They're going back home. Three days later, as they're going back home, back to Nazareth, Mary and Joseph can't find Jesus. Think about this. Mary turns to Joseph and says, we lost God. And they go all the way back to Jerusalem. And where do they find Jesus? He's in the temple. He's 12. Listen to this. All the scholars are there. And Jesus had captivated their attention. Why? Jesus was teaching the teachers. See, he had the wisdom of God. I'll come back to that story in a moment. It was amazing because we do know from that time at 12 till 30, we really don't know what happened. We only have one verse that gives us a little clue. For those 18 years, what really took place? Look at verse 52 right there in chapter 2. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. So mentally and physically he grew, but look at the next. And in favor with God and men. As Jesus was growing physically and mentally, notice he began to, well, he began to grow in something that would shake the whole earth. When Jesus was growing up, if you were Jewish, you were frustrated. Because there was more than 600, 613 exactly, rules and regulations, commandments. You couldn't keep them. So he gave up. When Jesus came, he took all of those rules and regulations and he went (laughs) to two. And Jesus would say this, you must love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus would come and, and he'd use the word love that, well, man couldn't understand what that word love is. Notice what the word love means. It means agape love. It means God's love. It means selfless, other-centered love. Jesus would show us vertical love and horizontal love. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, body. And love others. So we have to love God, and we have to love others. Here we go again. Love God and love others. Is that easy? No, it isn't easy. Some of you are going to be at Christmas with that aunt. You can love God, but you can't love that aunt. You know, the one that just drives you crazy. That was the word of knowledge for some of you here. It was the word of knowledge. So... How can I do that? I need God's help. I need God's help. So Jesus would begin to show people a very different side of God. You see, most people in those days thought God was way up there, too far to touch, impossible to know, and very demanding. Do you understand today outside this building, that's exactly what the world thinks? God's aloof. And what it requires of us is impossible. Jesus came to the earth to show us what God was like. God is love. It was a love they had never really seen before. So by the time Jesus grew into a man, he would understand our struggles. He would begin to understand all the temptations that you and I go through, all the trials that we go through, And yet there was one difference. Look at this verse in Hebrews. And I'll tell you another thing that many people who call themselves Christians don't believe, this truth. Look at Hebrews 4.15. You see it right there. This high priest of ours, Jesus, he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do. Notice the last words. Yet he did not sin there's a lot of people today that say they believe that Jesus sinned. I want to share this truth with you. If you believe Jesus sinned, you will never become a real believer. Because if you believe Jesus sinned, there is no solution to your sin. Because you can never be good enough. So the Bible says he is without sin. He lived his whole life sinless. Now, while on earth, Jesus began to show us three things. I want to give you just two of them in depth and then explain the third one very quickly. Number one, when Jesus came to this earth, what did he show us? He showed us how to have a personal relationship with God. What is your number one purpose in life? Outside of your job, education, getting married, having kids, doing all these things, wonderful vacations, all the things you're doing, what is the number one purpose God created for you? Write it down this morning. Here it is, number one. God designed me to be in a personal relationship with him. That's the number one purpose in my life. If I don't come to that, I spend eternity in hell. If I come to that, then life seems all of a sudden to make sense. That It's not religion. It's not church. God created us to know him, to worship him, to obey him, to serve him, to enjoy him. But our sin blocks that purpose. Our sin blocks that relationship. So everything in life is a dead end without God. Everything you try is a dead end without God. In Romans chapter 7, which you see... It relates to something that you and I think about a lot. L- look at it. You could, There's times you can say this. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. You see, the answer to your emptiness is not a church. It's not a program. It's not power, possessions, pleasure, or position. The answer to man's sin problem, man's emptiness, is Jesus Christ. When we turn our life over to God, and the only way I can do that, the only way to God is through sinless Jesus, all of a sudden life has meaning and purpose. You see, God did that because he loves you. His love was greater than you and I can ever imagine. Do you know today that God is for you? He's not against you. God looks down and he forgives us. He directs us. He, he, He wants to be intimately involved in our life. How do I know God loves us? Romans 5 says this, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Jesus died for our sins. So the number one thing that Jesus came to do was to show us how to have a relationship with God. Here's the second thing he did. He showed us how to have a life that pleased God. When we watch Jesus, we watch him over and over again saying to his followers, you got to be like God. Well, they didn't understand how to do that. So he'd begin to show them how to do that. You see, he wasn't just interested in people growing physically and growing mentally. They needed to grow spiritually. That's what we call everyone today a Christ follower. We're growing. Write these three areas down for me this morning. And I want to challenge you a little bit. This is what should be happening in your life. You're growing taller. You're growing more wise. But notice these three keys right here. Christ follower, be like Jesus, think like Jesus, and minister like Jesus. Let's talk about those for a moment. Salvation is not enough. It proves that we are saved, but we're to be conformed to be like him. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus walked this earth, he would say to his disciples, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say... What the Father tells me to say. See, he, he set aside his divinity and he depended on that relationship with God and he had a perfect relationship with God because he was sinless. Well, that's what God wants for you. He, wa- he doesn't want you for you just to have this little fire insurance to go to heaven, but he wants you to make an impact on this earth. Look at that. Let's put that up again. Look at these first three things. To be like Jesus. What does to be like Jesus mean? It means character. Character. Not perfect but character second he wants me to think like
0: him a christ follower thinks like jesus and ministers like jesus jesus is the only one to have a sinless life so he set the standard awfully high today pastor mark taught that there's nothing more important in your life than a personal relationship with god The Lord does not expect you to model Christ's life perfectly, but he does promise to give you the ability if you draw near to him. Have you chosen to follow Christ above all else today? Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Jesus' life was filled with purpose, a purpose to direct humanity to God and model an obedient, sinless life. His death also had a purpose. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will speak on all that Jesus accomplished during his time on earth. Jesus died to save people from their sins. His life and death on the cross opened the door for all mankind to experience eternal life and live with purpose in this one. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne.
1: in a